Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought to you by BBR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of the Air Combat Simulation Podcast. Today we're happy to have Ron Zambrano from Ravno Simulations as our guest. And uh, on the panel I'm joined by uh, Redkite. Hello. Goat. Hello. And yeah, I'm Baltic Dragon. So I think without any further ado, let's let's get to the main topic. So, Ron, welcome. Welcome, thank you. Welcome, thank you for for inviting me. <laughs> Pretty honored to be here. Uh, thanks for coming. And uh, as you'll see later on, we we got quite a few questions from the community, which we'll try to. I'll ask most of them. I don't think we'll have time for all of them. And I'm looking forward to a very interesting discussion. But before that, let's start with with yourself and Rasmus Simulations. You can tell us a little bit about you, your team, and the history of of uh, software development. Sure. Uh... I've been in this business for 18 years now. Laura started in 2002. Uh, back then, uh, Coma Flex Simulator 2 and Flex Simulator 9 for Microsoft were the big thing. Uh, curious enough, I was watching Falcon's uh, documentary, and I thought, Jesus, I need to fly an A4 Skyhawk. Then I decided to develop them for Flight Simulator. That's how it all started back then. Was a completely no one, and it was funny because uh, my signature, my acronym is Rat Sam, not Rasban. And when I said to this guy uh, for this for this uh, distribution company, I said I put Rasban, Rat Sam. He put Rasban, but the name stuck, and that's how Rasban was born. And I spent probably 50 years in Microsoft Flight Simulator. I uh, went through FS9 to FSX, FSX acceleration, and then we moved to property. In the interim, I also created uh, products for the Strike Fighter series. I don't know if you are familiar with that one. Strike Fighter, uh, Strike Fighter Service Pack 1, Wings Over Vietnam, Wings Over Israel, and Wings Over Europe, I think was the other name. We had something like Combat Flight Simulator for Microsoft, but Jets. And I always love uh, jet aircraft, combat aircraft, not actually, not more into civilian aircraft. But uh, being a niche, within a niche, which which was, uh, you know, Microsoft Flight Simulator, civilian sims, it was, it was hard to get it to actually uh, get good financial results. But we managed to keep alive until one day I was approached and by Eagle Dynamics, by a friend who was in contact with Eagle Dynamics. And he said he was not interested in creating things for DCS. Back then, I didn't have any idea what DCS was. And I was familiar with uh, Lomac and Flaming Cliffs. 
have swimming clips. I played swimming clips where I wasn't that much into Russian planes. But say, okay, I have this meeting. We went to this meeting for, for with the high ops from Eagle Dynamics. They really asked a lot of questions, asked for a lot of, actually, they were really uh, adamant to put third party into DCS since they have a level of quality that they don't really uh, want to put it below their actual the current benchmark. So uh, we have to prove that that we could do it, and, and we did some tests and to see how feasible it was, but it was needed to create a model for, for DCS. Uh, actually, back then, uh, DCS didn't have a software development kit. Most of the stuff was changing because they were always evolving the core engine. So we created a P2 Okai. I don't know if you remember, we were developing that one a long time ago. We used that one as a test base for us into DCS. It actually teaches us uh, what was needed, not just treaty-wise, but code-wise, what uh, gave us an idea of time frames, uh, level of details. Uh, once we were certain, actually once I was certain that we could actually, you know, develop for it, we took the plunge, and we were coming out with f F-15E Stra Eagle back then. But we ran into some complications, not from us, but for actually from the simulator itself. And we moved forward to another product we have in development that was actually ready to do the jump into DCS, which was the Mirage 2000C. Mirage 2000C developer, Tim Taylor, he owns a company named uh, Metal to Mesh. We are really good friends. And, and he, he looked forward and said, okay, let's move it. Let's get into this DCS and uh, let's see what happens. Let's go forward. And it took us almost two years to put out the first early access version for the Mirage. We did have a lot of information, but we did not have, uh, you say, the actual documents because French aircraft it's really difficult to find the actual documents you know like natops or air crew manuals and stuff like it's really really difficult but I think we did a great job back then and the model has been evolving from then up to now just as I show that it's currently being used by the French Air Force for, for training in their new training syllabus they have and then after we finished the Mirage, it was considered a done deal back then, even for Eagle Dynamics. I know that the community asked a lot of things and they thought it wasn't finished. There's a lot of stuff going behind curtains that most of the community doesn't understand. It's creating stuff for a flight simulator. And once considered finished, we moved to the Harrier. When we move into the Harrier, we have a lot of information from it directly on the pertinent sources. Then we move into the MiG-19. The MiG-19 is actually, I think the MiG-19 might be our first and unique model, which was not intended as a training tool, but most as a game asset. I know people don't like 
uh, to call simulators games, but at the end of the day, it's a computer game. And that's where we're standing right now. I want to be... Uh, uh, There's something I always say in my Discord channel or, or on Facebook. Our main uh, developing stream is directed to training tools. So we work with some Air Forces creating stuff. We move them back to DCS as a gaming asset, call it some way. Interesting. Now, is that... Um... And so your primary business stream actually is for supporting training. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Very cool. And is DCS the platform yes. that you're that you generally use? Yes. Uh when you're okay. DCS is the main platform, but it's not DCS as DCS per se. It's the uh combat simulator thing is the name. Gotcha. And do you do you deploy that, or is that something that you're walking into that and the other platform that somebody else has? Oh no, it's the same thing, but the the licenses are different. Mm, okay. So before we jump to the models, uh, some people are asking uh, about the structure of Rasmus Sims. Can you tell a little bit more about the p people working for you? There's a team for Falklands Map. There's a team for Mig nineteen. Uh, if you could tell a little bit more about that. Sure. Uh... Okay, Rasman is actually all over the world, to say it in one way. We, I have uh, coding, which is made by Larry. Happens to be my my brother, sub brother. Myself, who's a 2D developer. Uh, Tim Taylor, through Metal Smash, is a 2D developer. Uh, we have Dark Wardle. Sorry, I don't know if that pronounced right. And he's from UK. Also have Hank Essers from Belgium, Se Valdez from Mexico. All these are 2D developers. There's Niham, Carlos. Basically, we are more 2D developers than coders. There's the coding department, which is uh, being managed by Larry. He does have his own team, and it's very it's like a fluctuating team. They are they are like you know guns for hire. He needs something, he goes to somebody else, but he manages the world stuff. So what we do is that developers are always busy. They're always creating something. That's why we start posting pics in, 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 you know, in our website, in Facebook, or in Discord. People say, hey, finish this, finish that. You know, city developers are always busy. So what we have here is most like a production line. So one thing moves forward, one thing moves forward, and when one product's ready, we move to the next one. But at that time, the artwork should be ready, so just go directly to coding. So it never stops. Also, what we also what we do is we never uh, abandon any product, so we keep updating stuff. For instance, the version that you are currently using of the Mirage has been approved by the French Air Force, but before we could put that into the public, it was like six months. So something similar is going on with the Harrier. There are a lot of stuff I can't talk about the Harrier. There's some legal grounds there, but uh, it's going through similar uh, process like the Mirage. Even as some people say it doesn't work that way, uh, there there is a NATOPS going around the internet. Yeah, let me tell you guys that NATOPS it's not really the stuff you should use as a source because they're no longer use that one. There's something called a CBT, computer-based training tool. So 
something completely different. But 3D developers are always busy. So once we have things ready in the 2D department, it goes to coding. And then coding starts. Coding is the part that takes longer because, like I said in the beginning, Eagle Dynamics is always improving CS. So what might be working now might not work in the future because something's changed. So we have to keep going at their pace. I don't know if that was the answer you were looking. Yeah, yeah thanks. I think that's that. That explains it. And also there's another team for Falklands. That's a different team of people, right? Yeah, we have it. That's a different, well, it's a different team, but uh, it's of the core. The core team is distributed between different different projects. And we have apartment named terrain development. So uh, we are planning some other terrains besides Falklands. But we decide first to Falklands because there's a lot to be learned about map development for DCS. It's an uncharted territory, not just for us, for even for Eagle Dynamics, because they are want to put out the best visual solution you can find in a digital form or in a game, you know, however you want to call it, a simulator. So it's always changing too. So it's almost like a test bed to all the things we're going to come out after that. But it doesn't mean it's not going to be like a good product. It won't come out until it's ready. That's why there you, you don't see that much pictures post from us in the internet because they don't want me to post pictures because they don't feel it's right yet. I mean, I talk about the two development five. And when we put pictures, they're intendedly degraded. That's what you don't want to ruin the surprise. <laughs> yeah. And so while we're on Falklands, we have two questions from the community. So one is, is the sea hire going to be part of the Falklands map? Yeah. Well, no, okay. Uh, the Sea Harrier will be a completely different product. It won't be included with the Falcon map. Have... The AI will be, and there will be another one flyable. That will be a separate model, right? Yeah, it will be completely flyable. I'm there personally working on it. I'm the chief developer of it. And do you have the other questions? Is there a definitive, definitive list of assets that will be coming out with the terrain? Well, here's the plan. When you develop something like the Falcons, which is which was a very, very, uh, was a conflict in a very specific area. Uh, you have uh, little little to play with, right? So uh, what most people remember of the Falcons is the 1982 conflict. But in 1982, the Falcons was just uh, an airbase, and you have the Argentina airbase. That was it. There was nothing else. So what was decided is to create a current Falcons map we include Mount Pleasant, so we can include more assets into it. So it'd be like, you know, you have two air bases and the continent. And at the same time, a period, 982 period version will be included. Having said that, it means that it will have 982 assets and products and current ones that are specific to the area. For instance, uh, there's going to be some AI aircraft like the uh, Canberra, uh, Dagger, Mirage, uh, some choppers, uh, you know, Argentine choppers, some uh, uh, UK choppers, some Argentine uh, Navy ships, most of the UK Navy ships with the 1982 period. But at the same time, you have Mount Pleasant right there, and you're going to see some assets included for like maybe 90s 
Amira over there. But all will be included with the with the with the map. But once it's released, it's most likely you won't have all the assets in release time because they will be we keep updating it and we'll keep adding stuff. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you look, for instance, in Normandy, which is a nice map, but you can't really use it for modern scenarios because of how it looks. So if you're doing it in a wider perspective, that's a good idea from people point of view of people like me who will be building missions and campaigns for that. So that's good to know. Actually, that's part of my plan uh, tell you to create an 882 conflict. Yeah, we spoke about it, so I think I think that that's going to be interesting, especially that there's lots of people that or took part in it, so you can get lots of first-hand experience and there's lots of books and movies. So I'm sure it'll be an interesting one. I was contacted actually by the, some Falcon Islander uh, on the news news network over there, and he's pretty much in contact with me. So uh, right now we are under the COVID pandemic, so everything was. All the plans for these were changed, but I had in, my plans was to go on over to Falcons and take some pictures and see the place. But I think that I have to wait at least for another year. Same thing goes for Argentina because I have plans to go to Argentina and 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 to visit the you know the bases they use. Uh, I think it was Tulu and I don't remember the name of the other one, Rio Grande Air Base. But since we have a COVID-19 pandemic, everything, you know, have to wait. Yeah, we just have to sit at home and enjoy the CS more than we did before, I guess. Uh, sorry, Goto, you had a question? Yeah, no, I was I was curious, um, and just sort of taking a step, when you're, when you're looking at the map, um, what is the research that you do uh, to, to bring that to life? What are the assets that you... Uh, that you look at and they, you um, as you design it and then put it into the software. Uh, okay, uh, that should be Clark answering the question. But uh, we use uh, there are two main software. One it's a terraforming software, and there was a geographical software where we get all the information, uh, like you know uh, altitudes and, and and geographic position. It's it's not it's like um, Google Maps was not Google Maps. I don't remember the name right now. Sorry, I'm really sorry about that. I don't remember the name right now. But that's what we use. It, it, it gets it gets into the uh, Max, which is development program, and and it extrapolates information from one to the other, and it gives us the basic geographical situation of everything. Once that's seen, you go through. Uh, all the SDK and 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 just start using using Google Dynamics tools to start putting stuff and and assemble the assembling the the complete map. It's uh we could say it's almost like a pixel to pixel work, like creating every 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 square kilometers by hand. So mm. you have you you have to we have the basic elevations like mountains or, 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 or cliff. And then you have to sculpt like the, the cliff itself or the mountain itself so it doesn't look like a plain cylinder or, or a plain uh, uh, cube. It's it's very uh, demanding job. Yeah, I can imagine. And is it is it a different skill set than a software developer given the SDK, SDK or is it uh, the same skill set? Well... You gotta be very proficient at 3D development. 
because you need a, you need a, a you need to use a lot of knowledge to include a lot of detail with less amount of polygons, so you can have a smoother mm. uh, more experience in the game or in the sim. I'm sorry, I call this a game. Sorry, I know it's a simulator. I know many people might get angry <laughs> no, if I call it a game, but I'm 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 certainly am not offended. Uh, so please, it's, I think it's fine. Yeah, it's exactly. Well, that's, that's super interesting. Uh, I mean, I didn't know it was such a laborious work that you really have to do it. I, I thought you'd cut it automated somehow creating the map. It's, it's really demanding. Uh, I think that, 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 well, it all depends on the level of detailing you want to put out. Cause you can put out something, uh, like, like a flat map and, and you say, okay, this is uh, whatever you want to call it, and you put it out in two or three months. It's easy. You can even use uh, uh, Google Maps textures or, or satellite texture and put it on, and there you go. But that won't be like something you want to buy, doesn't it? So what you want to look buy or get into as a product, something that's close as possible within the realms of what the game allows us to put into the game. Does uh, Eagle Dynamics have a different... Uh, quality standard for maps, or did you talk to them about that as a different type of product for development? Well, Eagle Dynamics is very demanding quality-wise. Well, it's very demanding in every in every aspect, but but uh, you got to go through a uh, process which they set what you put out because they want to keep, like I said before, they want to keep a current quality standard. Because at the end of the day, it's what represents the game itself. So you got to yep. go up to their standards. If they put more, more, more detailing into their in-the-house developments, we got to go at the same level. All right. Unless, Redcard, do you have any questions on Falklands? Um, yeah. How does the, uh, the Mariana Islands has been teased by Eagle Dynamics? You've seen uh, increased detail in the, say, the rocks and the terrain. Can we expect to see anything of a similar level given the much smaller, well, smaller nature of the Falklands map compared to some of the larger DCS maps? Well, there is quite a difference between the terrains. Because, as you know, the Falklands are not exactly uh, alive. It's not a desert. We can call it a green desert. But, uh, what we are doing in the Falcons, it's, uh, we are nitpicking about terrain. I don't know, I remember the name right now. But the thing is, we are, we are actually looking to details, the parts that we know are going to be used for everyone. When you go have a terrain, like, like for instance, uh, let's say Nevada. Nevada is basically a desert, right? But when you go, you fly into Nevada and you fly a certain altitude, you can sit down and you see old roads, you can even see the old craters from when they were testing the uh, nuclear warheads. It's something we try to do also with the Falcon. Now, if you try to create a Falcon's map after the Falcon's war, you have to include also some landmarks like, you know, crash aircraft or minefields are abandoned, stuff like that. So that's what we are looking to create. You can you you okay. you won't find uh, forest in Falcon, so we have to add something that will make you look, make you wander around the the map. Uh, since we have you know you can also drive cars in DCS, you actually fly or see 
something interesting. What will be, I'm thinking right now, what will be what a job is to replicate the Argentinian coastline. Well, we'll do it. Cool, so we can expect to see uh, some of the signs of war on the post-Falklands post, post War map variant then. Yeah. Well, that was part, part of the idea of going there. Does the detail also include things like the bay where the British forces landed? Can we expect to see the rocks and uh, the coastline be detailed enough to make it suitable for uh, a mission area? So, for example, if we were planning an attack on sure. the said forces, we'd have some nice uh, high-def scenery there in the specific areas, or is it across the entire coast that you can expect to have the, uh, the higher than what was previous for DCS coastal detail? But that's the idea, because, uh, for instance, myself, uh, I, I really like to use the uh, DA combat arms, and I like to go into the terrains and go to, you know, driving a tank or driving a car or driving a jeep or a Hummer. Because I like it. I like to fly planes, so I like to go to see the, 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 the maps in that level. And, and but Clark, the guy who's in charge of managing the world Falcon stuff, uh, is looking exactly for that. You know, like, uh, you can recreate the landings of the British, or you can recreate the Argentinian invasion, or you can recreate it, you know, like, uh, uh, Make believe a scenario where the Argentinians go back, or maybe maybe the Chinese invaded, or maybe I don't know. The idea is to have a really nice uh, sandbox to play around. That sounds very good. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so maybe let's quickly move to. Uh, there's a lot of questions on your future uh, modules, which is understandable, and the, the mud hen being the, I think most asked about but if we could just quickly cover a few things on the harrier and and the tarawa so for the harrier questions are there any plans to bring a radar radar you say version the apab plus yeah of course has been from day one but uh we are waiting for dcs to be ready for it yeah, So the ground radar for instance right exactly ground radar there's no reason to include it right now because there's no ground radar. And uh, it uses exactly the same radar as the F-18, so... All right. Yeah. While we are not waiting for Regal Dynamics to finish their F-18, we are waiting for them to put the air-to-ground radar API. Which they said they would... I mean, they started doing already, I think. Slowly. Yeah. Good. And then, any news on the new pilot body in the Harrier? Of course, uh, Tim is really working an amazingly good uh, pilot body for the Harrier, which is uh, Scan. He's working on it right now. I don't know if you have seen the Mirage new pilot body. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be uh, no better to that one. Great. And then, uh, if I may add something so for the Harrier, I probably should in a month have the short five-mission campaign that will be included with it. In, in Caucasus, uh, that will be followed by the DLC later on. So it's also something that's coming out soon and will be added to the module. Uh, yeah, and working on the manual, a full-fledged one. But I think we still need some stuff to be finished on the Harrier before it's it's, it's doable to make a full-fledged manual, right? Exactly. Uh, the Harrier is always evolving as well, because, like I said, it goes through the same process as the Mirage. Um, it's a fine line of what I can talk uh, freely about the Harrier development. 
because as you may know, it's a current aircraft being used. And there's so much we can say, so much we can't say. But uh, we have people that are pretty much uh, involved with the real aircraft, working in, in, not working, but testing what we do. And while I see that some people complain there are uh, some stuff that looks very easy to fix, like, you know, key binds or, 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 or you know, some uh, figures on the, on the HUD, something like that, and they say, why don't you fix this this far? Because uh, it, when you code, it's like a stream, right? You go, you don't jump from A to E without, happening, without going to B and C. So uh, before we fix uh, stuff you think it's really, really easy to fix, you have to fix more core stuff. And to fix core stuff, it's not like somebody, it's not like Larry goes open the code and, you know, types on lines. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you, have, you have to code it and then you have to be tested and then you have to see it works like it should. And not just that, if uh, DCS can handle it, and and that's where it takes time, and we can make that faster. I mean, we are making it as fast as we can, and as fast as it should be done if if we want to do it right. I mean, there are a lot of stuff that we can do, and I'm going to be very emphatic on this. There's a lot of stuff we can do, uh, cutting corners and putting out our own solutions. It will work. You will see it. You probably be even happy with it. But then DCS changes. DCS goes to a further version, gets better, and that thing gets broken, and we cannot fix it because it won't work anymore. So what we do is we go at the same flow as Eagle Dynamics because we want you, the user, to have this smoother uh, experience dealing with our product. I know. Some people don't like it. I know a lot of people bitch about it, but that's how it goes. I mean, we can we can put a lot of solutions. We can Larry's incredibly good uh, coder. and amazed what he can do. You won't see a lot of stuff uh, think out of the box and, and, and implement it. But the practicity of putting it out in DCS it would mean that you will be happy for maybe a month, then stuff changes and, you know, all hell breaks loose and you won't be able to enjoy it anymore. So it will be a lot of work to get, delete that stuff and go back to, to, to number zero again and go from the beginning. It's better to work at the same flow. So we're stuff that we know that can be made, stuff that we know needs to be fixing. It's not that we are overlooking at it. It's because it's not yet there to be fixed. We'll be fixed, but we have to finish some stuff first. Yeah, for sure. And I think that I think as you're outlining that, um, number one, I think there if you don't go in line with uh with what Ed's doing, that you end up with rework and broken uh software and that's never fun, even though there may be some patches you could do along the way. Um so quick question for you on the uh, Terawa, are you pl- are there any plans to update the Terawa to utilize the supercarrier functionality? Yes. Uh, 
Probably not the Tarawa itself. Probably a uh, new uh, era, probably uh, a U.S. America class, uh, LHA, or maybe the Tarawa. I, we're, not, we're not exactly right now uh, in a position to say which will be the best decision for us to make. But it will be done either way. But we have Perfect. to wait. Again, we have to wait for Eagle Dynamics to finish their core development for the supercarrier so we can see what can be done and what we can adapt or we can learn from them to put into uh, inside the game so it will go smoothly. It won't be broken before, uh, later it won't be broken and, and you know you know what will happen if things start stop working and then, oh my God, I paid for this and it's not working now. Yeah, as you said, it, uh, there is a very vocal crowd today <laughs> and uh, you would hear a lot about it. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. But yes, uh, 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 supercarrier functionality is something we dreamed from day one when we when we were developing the Tarawa. Was we even toyed with some animations in in in, in with the you see there's a stack recruitment in in the Tarawa right now. We we play with some animations. We we. It's, what could be done, what cannot be done. But at the end, we decide, no, we're just going to look, it's going to look uh, sterile, it's going to look like carousel because it's going to go back, it's going to have really, won't look real, so we just decided to go with static crewmen. No, I just want to say that it certainly uh, would be a great improvement for, for the, all the hurry-ups, and I hope it will come together with some extra uh, assets like other ships, etc. Uh, landing craft. You, you, yeah, you have to you have to keep in mind as well that the sea harrier will include definitely include a British carrier. Oh yeah. So could be uh, could be the invincible or could be the royal. Uh, I'm not sure yet, but it will include a carrier. Not included in the in the in the in the Falcons map, or probably included in the Falcons map, uh, but you don't have to have the focus map to have, but you have you can have the sea harrier, but not the focus map, but you will have the carrier as well. Perfect. All right, so maybe to finish off with the current models, uh, if you could say a few words about MiG nineteen. So there was a question. Uh, so what was the decision behind having MiG nineteen? Uh, is it like a uh, test bed for MiG twenty three that's coming up down the line? Okay, uh, the MiG nineteen. Uh, the main developer name is Carlos. Uh, he got access to the real MiG-19 and former pilots. Also, he had access to real MiG-23 and current pilots. So when I met him, uh, he was posting uh, in, in ECS forums about what he was doing. And... I approached him and said, okay, what do you want to do? I mean, do you, uh, you, you want to go commercial or you want to go freeway? What's your idea? And, and I saw he, he was he's a very, very, very talented developer. I said, you know what? Uh, I think you should go first with an easier model before you get into something more complicated as a MiG-23. And... We didn't have back then uh, a license for a MiG-23, 
I know you remember that we announced the MiG-23, then Eagle Dynamics said we won't get into MiG-23 because they were developing, and then we get it back. And uh, the idea behind the MiG-19 was to create something uh, different, uh, rap for, and I don't know, quite interesting aircraft that you didn't actually no work because I, I don't think there's even a MiG-19 in FSX. And since he have access to all the information about the plane, there there is no uh, tie knot. Everything is there. And 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 we say okay, let's go. We knew we knew it was not going to be a big hit, but when I put out something to say, hey, look. We can fly a MiG-19 now, and 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 whatever you see in that plane, even if some people complain about it doesn't fly right or or whatever, it's up to the numbers. Because this has been tested by former pilots and 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 the guy that developed the the flight model, uh, CJ, he did an amazing work with it. Yeah, I was amazed see how how fun it is to fly and how i mean i I was never into any soviet or russian jets when i started working on mig-19 i really i really liked it so i'm looking forward to mig-23 as well probably one of the problems with the mig-19 is that you don't have uh what to fight against this is right now uh we are fixing that that's okay because there, there was a question uh uh, about the plans to have the uh, pack or Cold War pack or something like that for 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 assets and AI, AI assets, so that's what you're referring to, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, Red Kite, go to anything else on the on the current things, or we can move to I think what most of the people are asking about, uh, which is the Mud Hen. The Mud Hen. Sounds yeah. Good. So, yeah. Sounds good to me. There's lots of questions of F-15E. Uh, so uh, I know if you want to say just a few words about it in general, or should we go with the questions that we had? Yeah, should I wait? Uh, so the first one was, how hard was it to get the official license from Boeing, Boeing for F-15 Eagle? Well, the Boeing license came from Eagle Dynamics. All right. They have the license for the plane, so when we uh, when we sign up for the contract, it was part of the contract and, and all the legal grounds legal grounds are on it uh, it includes a lot of, of of limitations but also a lot of uh, things we can do you gotta keep in mind that f 15 e is currently America's premier strike aircraft but I think it's also I mean there was a recent episode on fighter pilot podcast podcast on of on F15E and it seems that it's uh, at least part of avionics it's pretty old still I mean it's not been upgraded very much which should make the work easier right uh, yes or no <laughs> it, it, it might sound easier but it's not easier than the Harrier for instance well they're quite different aircraft but but uh, uh, functionality on, on F-15E is more complex than in a, in a Harrier, but 
we got all the information and all what we can put out for the public. I know people are asking for more newer versions. Uh, we still, we have an outline plan of what version we're coming out. We have not disclosed it out yet because we might be able to pull out a newer version than the one we have planned right now. But uh, what I can tell you right now up front is it won't be latest version. So many people are asking, you know, like currently they want the JDAMs and laser guided rockets and stuff. I can't promise anything because we are still dealing with which final version we are doing. But uh, I cannot put out anything right now because we are trying to get as late as possible we can. I understand you put all those things in after you release F-35, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm not crying F-35. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is a, I mean, that also is kind of linked. There's a, lots of questions about the backseater. So the Gib, uh, how are you? you said that you're not planning anything like the uh, Jester um, included, but uh, on the other hand, I know lots of people also even in the multiplayer they they would like to have some, let's say AI help in flying. So is it the final decision, or you're still thinking on how to deal with that? Okay, this is the this is where I put the line. I don't like uh, AI actors. Mainly because, like I said, we create training tools. So uh, there won't be an AI backseater like Jester, which in itself is a good development. But it will be multiplayer. So two persons can fly the same plane at the same time. Somebody can be the OESO and somebody else can be the pilot. Uh, while People will say, yeah, uh, I will need to share the workload. In if e you can actually do everything from the front seat. But uh, there won't be an AI gesture like stuff in the ft e But I can assure you, it will be multi-usury, multi multiplayer. There's been some gossip around the internet that it won't be able to be used for two persons. No, that's not true. It's going to be able. Okay. That's good. There were a few questions about that. So multiplayer thing is sorted. It will be multiplayer I don't know if that's the word, but I just created it. Um, and then uh, the very technical question we got, or for me at least. Uh, oh, yeah. You talked about the block and software a little bit. And there's also a question about the engine, if it's dash 220 or dash 229, if you know the answer. I can't speak freely about it right now. I, it will be announced publicly when the time comes. Because, uh, like I said before, we are trying to push for the latest version possible. And so that'll be available by this Christmas? In, in two weeks. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to Just be kidding. honest, no, no. Uh, our plans for an early access is for this year. Oh, that's great. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that you have more concrete information about it by, okay, and don't take my word of it, but I think that you have some more concrete information by July. And, and it could be before, it could be after, not sure. You know, this whole pandemic mm -hmm. has changed a lot of the way we're working now. Because since 
most of us work at home because we have or, or you know software development you don't need an actual office you don't need to you know you need a computer and good internet connection but you have to also deal with the ecologic part of it so uh people are working on this project you know there's some worry about their families or worry about the situation so I cannot push people say, okay, you know what? I need you to start working on this. I need you to push forward. I decided that people should, uh, you know, work around the psychological aspect of what's going around in the world and I'm just letting sure. them go at their own uh, flow, at their own speed. I, I know maybe people do not like to know it, but... Uh, there you, we are all humans, and humans are the ones that create this amazing stuff. They're coding and stuff. They're humans, and they have their own yeah. fears and personal problems. So uh, right now, with what's going on around around the world, uh, I let them you know freely in this case. You know, we, we work, uh, you work at your own flow as you feel you should do. Uh, Deadlines have been moved. Uh, Private schedules have been changed because of this. You know, some have, you know, family members sick. Some are worried about family members. Some are worried, are worried about themselves. What's going around? So uh, it's a very mm. yeah. There's definitely some different, certainly some different dynamics. My my entire company's working uh, yeah from their homes now and we're seeing different types of stress certainly i was saying earlier my two five-year-old kids i'm a, every meeting i start i apologize on the from the get-go of like hey this is going to be interrupted just telling you so yeah i can definitely see it and, and uh, i actually think it's a uh it's a it's a good strategy to let the folks uh, pr proceed at their own pace at this point given everything that's going on uh, for instance uh i'm a father of two kids I'm a wife, everybody, we are all trapped in our home and, and, and not used to have everybody here. And I'm also a TV developer and I also run Rasband and I have to sometimes deal with my family, my kids' uh, fears, uh, my wife's fears. And, and, and I see it from my point of view and I talk with everybody in Rasband every day, how you doing, how you feel, how you're going, and they tell me their problems and stuff. And I say, you know what? You need to you need to stop a bit and go around. Just do it. And health is first. The world keeps spinning, and this stuff will be released eventually. I know some people are might not like the idea of we're taking longer, or they feel entitled to ask for stuff since they paid or they are waiting or whatever. But uh, if I something, this something I've learned eighteen years in this is that. If the person behind all this development developments does not feel right or have a problem, stuff won't be made the right way. Or they might walk away or you'll have something that goes straight to vaporware. So uh my main drive behind what we do here is we have the people working in Rasband, like uh, uh, all the teams. And like I said, you can mess with me. I don't care if you go around, you know, and suddenly sample me like they have done a lot of times in places like Hoggett. But don't mess with my members because I, 
I'll defend them because they are they are the guys that actually make this wheel turn. So having said that, all our schedules have changed. Everybody is working at their own pace. Uh, sometimes somebody I have two guys sometimes are hit by depression. I say, okay, you know what? Stop. Go out. I mean, don't stress it out. Just work around it. And and yep. they're doing it the way we can do it. And the thing is, we'll do it, but it might take a bit longer. Sometimes it takes it doesn't take that long. Sometimes it takes longer. It's a whole different dynamic. Yeah, no, yeah, no, for sure. And I think that you know, just software. I I think uh, often people try to oversimplify software, and software is a. I always think it's interesting because it hasn't been done before. It generally is. If it had been done, then it'd be easier to do. But when you're making something, you're designing something, you're creating software uh, like this. Uh, it's 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 complex. Exactly, and and, and 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 it's not just us. I mean, even Eagle Dynamics. I mean, they are everything has changed. Uh, uh, it's right now. I mean, something we're living currently. It won't be forever. It changed next month. Uh, maybe next week. We don't know. We just have to be patient. Just keep working at the pace we can work and keep moving forward. But not like whiplashing people, you know, we need to finish this. That's not the way. We Well, I did it that before, but not right now. There are a lot of stuff going around everybody's mind. And I'm just fear around, a lot of worry around, and people are very stressed. Uh, confinement is not good for even if you have a huge house confinement is not something that you're looking forward and people tend to get really stressed yeah for sure i think that's i think that's without a doubt i was kind of joking that um it's a good thing my <laughs> wife and i like each other <laughs> yeah, yeah. problem oh yeah i know um, it's like well, i was gonna ask you no, um just how did and i know that you and uh baltic dragon uh, have had a relationship for a bit. How did that relationship start? Uh, let me see if I remember correctly. I think I was I met him through Matt Warner. Yeah, it's Matt. Who was Matt? Matt. Yeah, Matt introduced us because we needed uh, Matt when we put the Mirage out. We were uh, making the draft for the final product. They asked us if we have to include uh, uh, campaign. I don't have the first damn idea how to do a campaign. <laughs> yes, so he say I know pretty, I know a guy that is really good for it. He's really, really professional. That's how I met him. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, I. It's, it's interesting to see. Uh, it's interesting to see um, how long uh, Baltic's been doing this, and uh, and a lot of the relationships he has in the industry. Amazing work. I mean, this mm-hmm. is. I, I I I really admire his patience because I, I I've been trying to I, when I test stuff I I create my own missions and I say mm-hmm. how can somebody do this for a living? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny because we had some of the um, campaign developers on a few weeks back, and it and I started thinking about do you enjoy flying more or making the campaigns? And I think that it was a pretty good question, but I, they all talked about how before they, when they started up, if they're going to fly something themselves, how they start up in campaign uh, editor. 
to start themselves. So I thought that was interesting. Well, I come from the, like I said, like I told you before, I come from the Microsoft Flight Simulator community. And I was a really, really big, huge Flight Simulator 2 nut. I love it. I actually, I was crazy about it. For me, it was the best thing ever invented after the Coca-Cola and sliced bread. And I used the, it, it, it had a, a mission editor and you can create campaigns and stuff. It was like 10 times more complicated than what you do with DCS now, but it was simpler at the same time because you just put stuff here, carry here, here, there, and you take off from point A, you attack point B, and then you, you, you land it again. You didn't have, and you want to, um, uh, water, you include water, and that's it. When you go to DCS and you have all these options, all the stuff you can do to make it look as real as possible, that it overwhelms me. I mean, I simply can't. Now, what I do is I take off from some place and bomb somewhere else and come back. That's it. And, and, and that's how I test or do multiplayer and test it or use multi dragons missions. But the way, uh, I gotta say, bias coming here is aerial training missions are the best I've seen around. No, they're really thorough. It's it's absolutely amazing, um, and I think you know the combination of his attention to detail, uh, certainly with the Harrier and the quality of the Harrier as a product is amazing. So um, I've just like I said, that was the one product for me that really got me started in DCS. And made it that compelling. So, um, yeah, I, I think, and certainly working with him on the upcoming Raven One campaign and seeing uh, the interaction uh, with fighter pilots, uh, but also the attention to detail and the whole quality flow is just fantastic. So it's been uh, obviously I'm a big fan of of, of Baltic. Well, I gotta tell you, I am. I'm blushing because I'm a big fan of this era. But I have to say on my side, thanks for the very kind words, but also I really enjoy working with, with Ron and Larry and other guys and Drasbom uh, on the missions because they're also very open to my suggestions and things I find during mission building, campaign building, and they 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 are very open to including some of the remarks or some ideas into the models. So it's a very way, two-way cooperation in a way. So it's it's really nice. Yeah, also I want to add uh, Harrier-wise, I'm a big fan of the Harrier, so you can expect, since I 3D developed myself, you can expect more Harriers coming in the future. Great. Uh, so we've well, already passed one hour here um, and still didn't even touch on Super Tucano, so if you could speak sure. about that a little bit more. Okay, uh, the Super Tucano is being developed as a training tool for South American Air Force. I cannot uh, publish most of the information I have yet because it still have to, to pass through some acceptance for them. And as usual, as usual the uh, procedure is they, they test the thing, test it, fly it, and say, okay, this can go and this can't go out. But uh, mostly 95% of the actual plane will be able for user, won't be changed. But it's basically a training tool being developed at first, and then it will be go through the common commercial version for DCS users. Uh, 
It's going to be very detailed. It's going to be the latest version uh, with all the current avionics we have, all the, the weapons it can carry. Uh, the pre-modern turboprop is very capable. It can carry and shoot a lot of modern weapons. There's some stuff it can't use, and I'm going going to be straightforward with this one right now. Uh, you cannot expect it to expect the Super Tucano to use Mavericks, or you can't expect the Super Tucano to use a laser-guided rocket, at least not yet. But whatever you can drop, fire, shoot, the real plane, we're going to see it in the DCS version. Also, uh, the same goes for the avionics. And multiplayer? Uh, I mean, two seats? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason to develop a two-seated aircraft which you cannot use in multiplayer. Uh, asking because we got asked that by, by the community, so I'm relying that one. In fact, uh, it's going to be used uh, as a two-seater. I mean, it's going to be two persons, and the training tool is going to be used by two persons at the same time. So it will be multiplayer, 100%. Just like the FETNE, 100% multiplayer. Perfect. Yeah, there's also another aspect of multiplayer that someone asked about. Uh, so not only multi-seat, but also if there's a niche for the Super Tucano in the multiplayer environment among the fast movers. Okay, when you use Super Tucano, uh, it's a um, very dedicated plane for a very dedicated uh, work. Uh, Super Tucanos are mainly being used at night because, you know, it's vulnerable. It's a turboprop. It's not as fast as a fast mover. It's not as fast as a 10. But it can put precision-guided munitions right in spot where you don't expect them to fire at you. So uh, if you tell me, because I've been, I've been in the real aircraft uh, simulator. I've had, I have, like, probably five hours flying in one. If there is a fun level to call it some way, using this kind of aircraft versus uh, fast mover and stuff, I'm telling you, yes. I mean, uh, there's one thing to go out and fight in a 15 Strike Eagle or maybe in a Harrier, that you know that you can probably defend yourself at one to one to, say, MiG 29, MiG 21, or, or, or I don't know. In Super Tucano, you have to be uh, stealthy in a way that you want you don't want to be seen, and you have to go down, uh, low, or high in the dark. It's it's fun if you can say in some way. Yeah, it's probably what you feel flying A10 in multiplayer. Sometimes I guess it would be similar, but even more challenging. It's gonna be challenging. Yeah. Uh, thing is the way I mean something I've seen in most multiplayer uh, servers that people like to fire some to fire missiles before you actually see the enemy and you know scratch a notch in your exclusive as I, I, I shut down somebody else but you are not using the actual aspect of flying the plane the way you should the thing is that you have to create and Baltic will be here you have to create campaigns or something specifically that you can use the Super Tucano in. It's saying it's 
something else to fly it. I haven't fly a real one. I've been in the simulator. I've been flying missions in the simulator. Uh, it's something else. I mean, gotta take the guy. The people flying these planes are really, really. I mean, it's not. It's not like a ten. It's like flying the faster Apache chopper. Yeah, I already have have an idea for a campaign for it in Caucasus, but that's later. Uh, to come. Yeah. Alright, guys, do you have anything else for Super Tucano? Uh, I think we could slowly start wrapping it up. Mm, just looking through the questions we have. So, anything else on that one? Um, not, not especially, no. I've, I've got one thought, which is um, how it would play in in DCS. I think it would be quite an interesting aircraft to operate alongside helicopters in DCS as a close air support platform. And uh, you could also incorporate that quite nicely into night ops. And uh, I, I assume they have a targeting pod for the for the super yeah of course does that uh, feature things like uh, laser spotlights for uh, nvg visibility uh, infrared laser for the canal yeah yeah it does it does have nvgs and night night it have uh basically designed to fly at night so I think that could be quite an interesting avenue with, say, a night ops uh, helicopter insertion, for example, where you've got them providing uh, the initial strike or cast as it goes on. But, uh, yeah, I think that'd be quite an interesting module for very specific circumstances. I think it could be really good fun. Yep. I mean, uh, I, I mean I'm talking from my point of view. Been, I, I'm very close to this aircraft. And, and I'm telling you, the, the reason I decide to put it out is because I know it's going to be going to be something else, something different. I think there's a lot of people waiting for this one uh, in the community. Uh, at least I've seen lots of positive comments about it, so so that's good. And speaking of helicopters, I know there's this Militech cooperation on BO-105, but there's also questions. Uh, are there any other plans for helicopters from your side? Certainly, yes. Uh, there are plans for three different helicopters. Uh, once a heavy helicopter, uh, I cannot speak freely about it because there are some legal stuff that got to be around it before I can say it out in the open. And two medium helicopters. Uh, the three of them are, are transport helicopters with, uh, you can put weapons on it, but they're not attack helicopters. Uh, one, the big one is American and the other two are European. I, I, I cannot speak freely about it for two main reasons. First, I don't want to create a hype, hype train yet. And second, there are some legal grounds I got to be uh, deal with before I could say out in the open. All right. So I guess we'll have to see how popular we are as a podcast right now, whether this, what you just said, will create a hype, hype, hype train anyway or not <laughs> in the forums or elsewhere. <laughs> um, but, okay, so... Um, just to there's lots of questions about different models so maybe let's just I'll, I'll give you the name of a module that someone put up as a possible model for the future and you can say yes no or, or i don't know whatever you, you you want to say okay okay talking about flyable ones so mirage 3 yes a for skyhawk okay i'm gonna answer that one this way i start in this business creating a for skyhawk all right uh <laughs> then uh this one i don't know what uh, how do you pronounce it how 
yeah, it's Spanish or Hal Tejas or Hal Tejas. I don't know. Oh, the Hal Tejas. Tejas yeah. That's an Indian aircraft. No. Okay. Uh, then this question: Super Anton Dark. Yes, we already have a mesh. Uh, A6 Intruder. Now. And then. Now, at least not, not, not in my immediate plan. Okay. And the Griffin. Next question, please. Griffin. Oh, okay. Next question. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I think uh, that's. I can add some stuff to what you said about for future projects. Sure, please, want, please go ahead. I may. We are developing three surprise ones. One is going to be, I'm pretty sure people are going to be surprised about it. It's an English aircraft. Pretty popular in this time. Um, basically being developed to be the uh, uh, antagonist of the MiG-19. And there are also another one is a British aircraft that will become first out as an AI. I'm on the fence about when to actually, uh, I'm in the fence of putting it out as a flyable model, just leave it in AI, but that will be the Canberra. It's going to be in AI for the Falklands, it's going to be in the Argentinian side. Also, there is a Pucara being developed that will be, won't be included with the Falcons map, but will be for the Falcons map. I also remember we put up some, some pictures on Facebook of a Bronco. Yeah, that's a personal pro project of mine. I was going with it. I don't know when I'm going to finish it. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. I just move into it and then move away from it. Uh, it will be ready when it's going to be ready. In fact, uh, I was in France last year, uh, Orange. There was a nurse show over there, and there's this guy that, own, that owns a, a Bronco. And... I took a lot of pictures. Uh, I, I went over there. I was with that plane, and, and, and I asked a lot of questions. Pretty good guy, and and got a lot of info. But the problem was that it was the uh, German version, which was actually uh, a tow truck and target tow plane, so it didn't have the side panels for the version I was interested in. But I got a lot of pictures of other stuff, so I pick it up eventually. There is one day I, I want to test some new stuff in 3D, and then I move into it and add to it, and then... But yeah, it will be... It's not a priority for me right now, because it's a personal priority of mine, but it will, done, it will be done when it will be done. Right now, I, I'm more into... Right now, actually, I'm, I'm deep into the... Me, personal me, as a 3 developer, into the Sea Harrier and developing some AI for the Falcons map, aircraft AI. Uh, so when, I, and I forgot to ask, because I'm a, a big fan of asking about timeline questions, uh, do we have a timeline on the Falklands map? Just mm, yes a no. I think we have something by the end of this year. Okay. It seems that you have... Your hands pretty plate pretty full for next years to come. So maybe we will have f F thirty five after we finish all those projects. <laughs> it's a lot of <laughs> lots of ideas, lots of good things to come. So perfect. Uh, all right, I think we could start wrapping it up. Uh, unless you have some more questions, guys. 
I just had uh, one question around. I wasn't sure if you've ever, I mean, right now you're certainly working with the, um, the DCS World platform. Have you thought about using something like the Repair 3D from Lockheed Martin? Well, I came from there. When FSX started to show its age, we moved into Prepare 2D. I think it was Prepare 2D version 3, the last one with the build of something for. But uh, the development dynamic is completely different. Uh, there's so much you can do and so much you can't do in Prepare 2D that there's actually no limit in DCS. So, uh, from a developer standpoint, to create a replica, simulate a replica of a plane, and this is personal opinion, okay? I don't want to, I don't want to step somebody else's toes or offend anyone. But I think that the DCS and core engine as it is right now, it's a lot better to replicate it with more fidelity any plane that you have in mind, uh, given the fact that. There is the tool in it. I mean, I'm going to rephrase that. Uh, all what it needs, uh, DCS to be completely perfect for me would be the air to ground radar API. Other than that, mm. I replicate a lot of stuff that you simply can't in Prepare TD or FSX for that matter. For instance, vertical, uh, uh, spectral trust, you can't do that in Prepare to be or RefTex. We can do it in in in, in DCS. Uh, upper flight dynamics is it's more close to real in DCS than well. Actually, helicopter dynamics in Prepare to D and FSX are are a joke. Sorry, are not really. I mean, they look good, they look great, but they don't actually fly it. That one maybe in this regard explains better, but DCS is the best that regard. So uh, I don't think we are going backwards, but for us would be like just stepping back. And 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 there is there are a lot of great developers in that market. I mean, people are really, 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 really uh, cherish and honor people that are. I mean. Great developers that have uh, uh, great minds working there, but uh, I don't see myself going back into it because for us, we'll be like stepping back. Right. I don't know about Flight Simulator 2020. I don't think I can stretch my current uh, workflow into simulators like that. I mean, uh, DCS as it is is extremely demanding. Uh, the results are great, and, and I don't think I can. I might start the line too thin if I move into another platform. Uh, in this case, uh, that should be a new platform like FS2020. I don't think so. I'm not saying I won't do it, but I really don't think so. Right now, we are 100% committed to DCS. Uh, I have a clear picture of DCS roadmap. I know where it's going. I know where it's heading. Uh, I know it's going to be awesome. Uh, Nick Gray's idea of what should be done with it is amazing. I'm pretty sure he's going to make it real. Um, one of the best things I find about it is that it's always evolving. So 
nothing is set for ground. I mean, new stuff is coming. You can add more stuff. You you, will, you never finish a plane per se. That's where when people say, okay, when are you going to finish the Harrier? Are we going to finish in Mirage? Or when are you going to finish in MiG-19? Or when are you going to finish the FETME? Whatever we put it out. Where I think the solution will be never. What we do is we fix bugs. And bugs will always appear because the thing is always changing. So it's, you get to catch my drift. It's a never-ending work. Uh, yep. No, that makes, makes perfect sense. Very uh, nice. Thank you. Kind of closing comment on DCS. I really like it as a uh, made a segue to a, to a, I hope, upcoming interview with Nick Gray uh, pretty soon. So we could we could delve in that a little bit more. His idea was uh, was gonna be about this is amazing. I, I mean, we got a great team. I know people uh, uh, complain about their 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 uh, business model. Uh, I, okay, I, I'm working thing eyes right now. We're gonna put my personal opinion out. Uh, I think he's in the right track, uh, given what what they are doing. Because uh, one thing is to work with. Uh, Finish uh, core engine. One time to say, for instance, the uh, FSX or prepare to the right. Uh, uh, you have a version and that's it. Uh, you're not changing it every time. Uh, you pay for for the right to play. Well, in DCS, you can have it for free, and you pay for what you want to fly. Prepare to the or FSX. Pay for the kit, watch movies, and at the same time you pay uh, for stuff to fly in. You simply can't get the same kind of experience that you do with DCS. Something it's always changing, always going for the best. Uh, might not work for everyone. That's also a truth. I mean, there are some people that have cutting edge computers, some people that have uh, mid range computers, and some people that are actually hanging in there with what they have for, like, what, four or five years. It, it, it might not be uh, uh, for everyone. Sadly, it's the truth. Uh, uh, you might not be able to run it. You might, be, you might be frustrated because you can't use it the way you see in somebody else's pictures in the Internet. I mean, I developed for DCS. I, can, I see some pics in, in, you know, there's a guy in that posts pictures in Instagram. Look real. I can't take it. I can't take a screenshot like he does. <laughs> I mean, I have a great computer, but I don't know how how I can get that amazing pics. It's always changing. It's always going for the best. And when you play with something that's always evolving, you have to to uh, you have to work in a way that you can enjoy stuff without waiting forever for it to be out. I mean, people complain about early access. If there weren't early access, people think that early access is a way of making money and walk away with it. That's not, well, at least not for us. Rasband, I can guarantee you 100% is not, not the same way for Google Dynamics. But if it wasn't for early access, you would be waiting years for uh, a chance to fly an unfinished model. Because it's always changing. Uh, 
for instance, what are the common uh, complaints about uh, hair about radios? Radios are very difficult to code in this year. As it is right now, very difficult to to uh, code. It's the hardest of them all. But right now, it is working to simplify the radio, so it can be more complex and at the same time more simple to develop. It's changing. What it means? It means that whatever you do right now for radios won't work in the future. Having early access, you won't even have the chance to fly the plane until you have the radios working. I don't know if you catch my drift. Yeah, it's 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 really evolving. Uh, let's I would call it environment basically and of course you always have to adapt to that i see that from my point of view which is much smaller only the campaigns but uh, there's lots of very good cool nice stuff that's been added in last years that make them so much better and i can imagine that with big things like graphics engine etc that's, that's even a hu huge leap and yeah i agree it's 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 a never-ending story with uh, updating bug squashing adding some new features uh well it's not good to hear but i really I really like that that last comment or 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 about the future of DCS in general. I think it's a nice. It's very exciting to see where it all goes. Today will be amazing. Uh, another stuff. Uh, I'm talking from a personal level right now. I'm taking out my wrestling hat and talking as Ron Sombrano. Uh, when you you read around, people having problems with their with their their installations and every time a new a new update comes out the thing is most people have their stuff modded you have mods that change stuff and add stuff which you don't actually realize it screws some something else and then you install you install a, 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 an update and that update gets screwed because of the mod you have i mean mothers are great people i mean it's amazing the things people can get out i mean I use some mods. I, 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 I mean, it's great. I mean, I know nothing against them. But if you are one that you are used to mod your your sim, mod your game, you also have to be uh, aware that you don't have a plain installation. You have something that's changed, and when you put something new, it might not work, or it might break something else. That's how it is. I mean, it's not us. Not DCS, not Eagle Dynamics. It's your mod. And mods are great. I mean, I use mods. Mods are amazing. I mean, I, others are people that put out stuff uh, for free. I think it's great. It gives life until something is coming. But you got to be aware that it might break something else. I recall a time where I installed a mod. I think it was for the French helicopter carrier. And as a result of having that mod installed, it broke all the wakes on all the ships in the game apart from the mod. <laughs> which is a bit of a nuisance. I think I went through the same aircraft carrier. <laughs> I had a problem that way. I installed a, a, a carrier. I think it was a chopper carrier. No, it was a Russian carrier. Ah, that's explained. A uh, chopper carrier. <laughs> it really, really, really screwed everything, everything in my team. I had to install everything and install again. And this is the time I was creating Tarawa. What is going on? I mean, what is not? What was working a few minutes ago? Let's say, oh, I install this thing. I have to install it. So uh, yeah. that's your stuff. When you're working this as a business, you have to forget about using it for leisure and work. 
Yeah, you know, but it's interesting though. With uh, but it's and just on the geek side, it's the difference between a product and a project. Most people expect things to have a fixed beginning and a fixed end as a project, but the reality is that these are products that have re- releases and iterations. Exactly, and uh, that's, that's that's not one of the things that the that everybody understands. That's a good way to put it. Yep. Exactly, that's a good way to put it. Uh, the thing is, uh, 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 something we can and put in my rational head again. For the the thing I can uh, promise and set you for certain is that we never abandon any of our products. Never, never, never. I mean, uh, look what we did with the garage. Uh, where it stands right now as it is. I mean, it's being used as a training tool in French Air Force. It's being used also as a recruiting tool. Every time you go to, in, in a, in a air show, wherever it is, the French Air Force, Air Force have a stand, and you will find a virtual reality set up with our Mirage. And you will see a kid flying it. I will see a teenager asking how to join. We never abandon our stuff. No matter how old they are, how much, no matter how time go, time has passed, we keep updating them. If you see the way the original Mirage cockpit was to what it is right now, it's like night and day. The same thing happened with the hair. The thing is, nobody noticed it. Now you're gonna have a new hair body pilot, and it will happen as well with the MiG-19. It will happen with the MiG-23 when it comes out. It will happen with um, Super Tucano. Whenever it ha- whenever Super Tucano comes out, it will be what is up to current uh, development uh, quality. The same with the Fitini. The Fitini is going for the third cockpit version. The third version we are doing. We are changing for a third time. We are putting a new cockpit in it. We are changing the 3D, the 3D art for the third time. And... A lot of work. <laughs> yeah, but uh, what you said about uh, French uh, Air Force and the DCS and Mirage 2000, I think it's it's a testament to how great, I mean, to your work, of course, but also how great DCS is and how realistic it is and how good it is in recreating the real life as much as possible in a sim, of course. So that's why we love it. Yes, I mean, uh, I think that what we have right now as simulator fans, DCS, it's Top of the line. I don't know what happened next. Like I said, I don't know what happened whenever F-2020 comes out. Uh, my experience with uh, Microsoft products as a developer, uh, no matter how great they are, there is a quite difference between the uh, community user base. People that fly something like Flight simulator, or you know, well, they have flight civilian planes. They really don't want to go through uh, military or, or, or combat phase. I remember when, when we developed the A6 for RFSX, we included. We were the first one to include options to drop bombs, and it was a tremendous uh, uh, debate about if you have to include violence into RFSX. FSX all about visuals. Microsoft all about visuals. Where you, uh, uh, the way you 
your 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 senses catch the visuals in the simulator while DCS is more about replicating systems in an incredibly amazing visual uh, scenario. Different stuff. I think the difference when you look at the community base is that for the I know about flight simulator, but in DCS there's lots, really lots of real life civilian airline pilots and people that fly really, uh, and they find it interesting because it's so different than the daily job. Don't think you'll find so many of them in a micro flight simulator. Yeah, well, I ha you know what I have some civilian plans for DCS that will never be released because I know people are gonna go with pitchforks and torch my house. Yeah, and <laughs> here it's Air Combat Simulation well, Podcast, so we'll focus on DCS. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But I, I, I actually I actually fly them in my DCS. I have two civilian planes in my DCS installation. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Do you, do you mind sharing? We won't, we, we won't judge. <laughs> no, no. Well, um, it's two Cessna aircraft. Oh, I, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, well, I don't think you will see they, they will see the light of the day out there because I don't want I don't want people come to my house with pitchforks. <laughs> you know. We won't tell them where you live. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very very much for uh, yep. for your time and for this great interview. Uh, I think there's a lot of thing, things to look forward to for all of us uh, when it comes to to your products and. Uh, what will come up next so thanks for taking time and um, being with us here thank you for inviting me thank you for uh, thank you for liking our stuff thank you for uh, giving me the chance to speak a bit about Brassman my team me personally and yeah looking forward to whenever you got some questions or anything you just can come ask me no problem uh, we have also a discord channel too where I attend, personally attend. It's easier uh, if you want to catch me, you can catch me there. I, usually, I always check in stuff. I don't always answer because I'm working too. But thank you very much and, and looking forward for more iteration with you guys. Thanks. We'll put the contact details in the uh, show notes so that it's easier to reach out for everyone. And all right. So I think that's it. Un unless, as Jello says, you have any parting shots? I wanted to say a, a quick thank you, Ron, as, um, well, for one, for developing the Harris, it's nice to have something with British influence in the sim, but also because the Harry was a big part of my YouTube channel getting started up, and uh, it first got recognized with the Harrier and doing tutorials for it. So uh, thank you. <laughs> and I look forward to uh, all the mysterious unannounced projects and uh, what you have announced that's on its way. With, Actually, uh, Ron, to, to add to it, uh, I used part of Red Kite's excellent tutorials uh, when working on the training missions for the Harrier. So he's also coming. Has thank you. Yeah, he also dragged me into I testing a bit as well. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. That's it for this time, and uh, stay tuned, guys. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Air Combat Sim. Don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about it. You have a question, idea for an episode, or a special guest you'd like us to invite? Feel free to reach out on Facebook, Discord, or via email. Air Combat Sim was brought to you by BVR Productions. <laughs>